0: welcome back to pilot boys my name is caesar i am your host and i am here with my co-host karen hello and this is the end of the year pod. Ooh. We made it through the muffin year, homie.
1: Yay.
0: And this. Barely. We barely episode, made it through. This episode, we're going to talk about everything we missed, everything that we didn't cover, and our favorites of the year. Just as a way to like close it out. How was this year for you, Karen? Mm,
1: that was great.
0: It's your favorite year of all time? Favorite year. Faves years.
1: Top five favorite year.
0: What, off the top of your head, would you say was, like, one of the shows that you think about the most? And there's a lot. I think that what this did for us was an exercise in, like, remembering the year, in a way, where, like, so much came out, and we forgot about it because of the pandemic.
1: And, like, time is distorted. Like, time is... Because our lives were, like, upended. How like of our routine, like everything about it was abended. Yeah, I feel like time moved fast, and I mean, everybody's talked about it, right? Like yeah. how like we just really don't know like the the time we occupy on certain tasks, or like that we didn't even realize that we yeah like
0: the value of time or like the the passage of time has been very distorted. Yeah,
1: and I think. There's, there, there was also just a lot of TV. There was a yeah. lot of TV that was out, like HBO Max.
0: A lot of opiates for the masses, brother.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa Speak whoa. on <laughs> it,
1: brother. <laughs> oh,
0: this is a, this is, this is the uh, spoken word podcast, baby. Mm, mm. Um, so Speaking to me. All right, so without further ado, let's get into what we missed. All right, so the first group of shows that we watched, I don't know what, what would you call this, like women in kind of like murderous situations.
1: Yeah. I feel like this year we saw a lot of like female protagonists. Yeah, absolutely. In like different in different aspects of life and yep. like in in very complex ways that like felt like real people.
0: And very varied, I would say. Too. Yeah. Cuz like it went from like I mean even this list like it went from you know, like, women involved with this, like, mysterious murder thing to, like, assassins and, like, you know, like, magical girl stuff.
1: Or dealing with, like, the banality of life, too, and, like, midlife crises.
0: Or, like, something like I May Destroy You, which is, like, about so many things, Mm -hmm. you know? I feel like, yeah, this was definitely a pretty... Explosive year for narrative surrounding women, but like also like really good narrative surrounding women protagonists, mm-hmm.
1: you know, in, and, in or villains different- like women villains, women pro- and protagonists, women heroes. Sure,
0: yeah, yeah. Even like some of the movies too, like yeah. Old Guard and shit. Anyway, all right. So the first one is Flight Attendant, the Kelly Cuoco show on HBO Max about. This flight attendant who is involved in some kind of like murder mystery. What did you think of this one?
1: I was surprisingly. I thought I wasn't going to like it. I think I also didn't know much about it besides like that it was a Kaylee Cuoco show. And this is after this is after the fact of Big Bang Theory, um, so I didn't really know what to expect because uh, I haven't seen her in this role ever. But I was, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed watching it. There were some parts that were a little rough, like some of the editing, Mm -hmm. uh, just some of the like stylistic choices were a little rough. I don't know. It's sometimes distracted from the scene to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that there was a lot, some of this, the style. I like this. We're specifically talking about the pilot. Some of the style got a little bit in the way, but I think overall. It's not overbearing to the point where you can't pay attention to the, the story. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I was surprised to, like... Okay, so I'll start by saying that this show feels like a post-Killing Eve show. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it feels like it's got mm-hmm. some of the trappings and, like... But at the same time, like, it does seem kind of its own thing. Because I, I remember hearing that, like, Kelly Coco was, like, really pushing for this. Because, like, you know, this is this is her moment where she's, like, transitioning from... Penny and the uh, Big Bang Theory to, like, I don't know, like a drama person. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that I didn't like about it was, like, I don't know, I guess the character choices. Like, I- I've seen too much of this, like, <laughs> this woman who, like...
1: You're like, haven't you seen these movies? Why would you do, like, that? Like,
0: kind of. Like, but why I- would
1: you make these choices? Right?
0: Yes. And also, like, I've I've seen a similar concept, except it wasn't about murder. Like, Up in the Air. Like, the kind of, like, promiscuous flight attendant, like... But I ended up... Like, I thought going into it, I wasn't going to enjoy it. But I ended up, like, digging what they were, like, going for. Like, yeah, you're right. I think some of the stylistic choices don't necessarily land. But overall, it, it, it gets to where it's, it's yeah. going, you know?
1: And I think the premise of, like, party girl flight attendant turned into, like, international you know, murder mystery Mm -hmm. person is kind of, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Because I think it is like those two sides of the coin of like, like you think, you know, somebody, but you really don't. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'd say for the pilot, I'd go like a four.
1: Yeah. I think it was, it was very watchable pilot. I think it gave us a really good understanding of like who she was, who she is while like leaving a lot of mystery still for like the rest of the season. Yeah. Shosh. As an adult. As an adult, right? Shoshana? No. Shoshana
0: from the Girls. She was good.
1: Yeah, I, I like. I'm happy to see her. So, yeah, overall, I, I think I would also give it like a four.
0: I think also the thing, the, the last thing I'll say about it is that mm-hmm. it's got that appeal that like a lot of shows try to strike nowadays. I'm thinking of like Shonda shows.
1: It's like, like know, sexy,
0: kind of like, like, you know, like. You want to keep
1: watching yeah, it. Yeah, there's right?
0: intrigue. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if the first episode. Or if the rest of the series keeps the momentum of the first episode. That's uh, that's what I'm curious about with, with the rest of the show. So the next one is The Undoing.
1: The Undoing is a new Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant, HBO series, also by the creator of Big Little Lies. Yeah. Where he's like an executive producer.
0: David E. Kelly.
1: Yeah. Right? The creator. Um, it, this is also kind of a murder mystery. Yeah.
0: Big, Big Little Lies yeah, energy. Yeah.
1: A lot of Big Little... I mean, Nicole Kidman is in yeah. it, too. We watch these back to back, flight attendant and the undoing. And I yeah, think, they feel because, thematically yeah. Oh, one, they're both on HBO. And two, they also like follow like women in like complex situations that they find themselves in. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: Nicole Kidman is like a couples therapist who yes. has like a very good life. Like she's, it seems that she's very happy and like yeah. very fulfilled with their marriage and her, and her child and being a mother and like being a career woman and all of that like the rug is pulled from under her when like she finds out her husband did some shit Uh uh-huh uh
0: yeah i thought this one was was interesting i mean i I got like a lot of hbo vibes uh big little lies sharp objects just generally the way that they handled but i also think i mean i guess the difference between the flight attendant and, and the undoing is like where they're situated I feel like the Undoing is kind of relegated to the domestic sphere. And, like, it's about kind of the way domesticity affects your life. In the same way that I Mm -hmm. think Big Little Lies was. But The Flight Attendant is not about domesticity necessarily, but it's definitely about, like, social dynamics and, like, the way that, you know, you really don't know what people are doing in their lives. Yeah, or what
1: people are capable of.
0: But, I mean, I think they're linked in that, too. Yeah, Because... Her husband doing some shit that Nicole Kidman had no idea about. It's kind of like that theme that's that's thrown mm-hmm.
1: around. And, like, uh, Nicole Kidman has to make very hard decisions. And, like... I think... I mean, she's just such a great actress. But, uh... Sometimes it's hard to watch. Yeah. She's just intense. Yeah, she's a little too intense sometimes.
0: And I don't know if all the scenes call from that intensity. I mean, for sure. I think this, the parts that I like most about the show, where Nicole Kidman calls... Hugh Grant on the phone to see like where he's at, at his hotel. And that scene I thought was like, cause it, it shows how she's starting to spiral. Mm-hmm. Like she's not like a full spiral, but like there's this like cool camera trick where like they get super close to her eyes. Uh, and like it just feeds into that anxiety. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but yeah, this one was, was, was cool. I mean, it's, it's big HBO shit. Yeah. Know?
1: it feels like it like
0: out- this feels like outsider like i even got parts of run
1: mm-hmm. i don't know it's
0: just like hbo just has like this eclectic
1: mix. i feel like they are at least the show and like a lot of hbo shows are really capable of like putting really great actors in like a world that feels like kind of real like it feels like a realized world where like people have you know like I. They're good. They're good at doing yeah. what they do. Right? There's a lot of
0: stakes to everything. Yeah, like, Everything has some weight.
1: Hugh Grant as like kind of a douchebag, but like in a much worse way than he usually is. Yeah. I feel like it's like played for. play Played against type. Yeah. Uh, or I mean, he's still a douchebag in a lot of his other stuff, yeah. but they're romantic comedies. So yeah. Like, it's fine. Like, it's cute when he's a douchebag in romantic comedies, but like it's- real douchebag. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I think that's kind of it about mm-hmm. the show. Uh, yeah, I, I would go another four. It's good. It's not, like, my favorite, but it's it's good. Yeah. And also, like, a, a big one that we missed this year. Cause oh, yeah, because so
1: many people it. were talking yeah. about it. It's, like, I saw so many, like, posts about it, yeah. like explainer videos and, like, the undoing yeah, yeah, yeah. episode, whatever. But yeah, I think I would also give it a four. I think it's very watchable. I it's think long it's,
0: like, as fuck, though. Yeah. Because, like, the first episode felt like a movie, like, the setup, and, like, you know, you don't get that resolution that you would get in a movie, but it felt like... The first episode felt like a very long setup to a movie. Alright, so the next show is a new Macy Williams show, Two Weeks to Live, which is about... This little girl, who a young this, woman, a young woman, sure. Like a, <laughs> the way we described it was like Arya today. Yeah, starring Arya. Yeah, it also d- starred- definitely
1: just feel like the it feels like the pitch was like think of Arya, but if she were in modern day England.
0: Yeah, and the, her mom is the sister from Fleabag, and she's kind of like a hit girl type from from ass If you guys have seen that. And it's, I don't know, it's just, this is just like a blast to watch.
1: It was, we watched it in like a day. Yeah. Like it was, it was what, six episodes? Very like fast paced, very witty. I think the writing was so good. Like,
0: the comedy is what like really, really like. Yeah, cause
1: like in like. a lot of these, like they're serious, right? Like it's a serious like assassin type that yeah. has no feelings, but like, She's messy she's you know like it, trying it's like a coming of age yeah. tale <laughs> it
0: It reminds me of the sloppiness, but like the beautiful sloppiness of Barry, specifically that like episode where she's finding a karate <laughs> little girl. It's just like the comedy just heightens everything because it's like you need to cut the tension because it's it's a little girl trying to exact revenge for somebody who killed her dad, and there are moments where like. You know, it, just because she's she's like a badass, doesn't mean that she always knows like the right thing to say. Yeah. So, so often she'll like say something, and like the show doesn't take itself too seriously. And there's a moment I think in the show where like you get that sense that like oh like this sh- this show is just like fucking around. Yeah, and like it doesn't it doesn't want you to think that like everything needs to be serious.
1: I feel like the chemistry between the actors was really good. Like I think the, the cast was was just it the writing for the cast was just so well done. It right. felt like everybody was like just having kind of a good time. And whenever like a line was said, it was just like, Oh yeah, like yeah. they're all they're all kind of buds. Yeah. Even though like the characters themselves are not. Um, it just felt very natural. It felt like the absurd in like a normal way, you know, like
0: yeah, and I also think that this is just either like a B side or maybe an A side to the end of the fucking world, the other English mm-hmm. show. Like it's 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 got a lot of like similarities, except you know this one. I think this one feels more realized to me.
1: Yeah, I think it's also what, it's a limited series, though. No, like yeah. it's
0: not. I think there might be a. I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't see how involved Macy Williams will continue to be.
1: Yeah, I feel like she's being very selective with her project. Maybe not very selective, because she's done a few teen teen romance dramas.
0: And New Mutants as well.
1: Yeah, like, maybe she's not that selective.
0: Yeah, I guess not.
1: Um, but I feel like she still has like a lot of cachet.
0: Like uh, cultural cachet? Yeah. That she's still banking off of? Yeah, yeah and-, and
1: this show like banks on... That audience will see her as Arya.
0: But I don't think you need to have seen Game of Thrones no. to enjoy it at all.
1: But, like, I'm ready for her to be, like, an action star, you know? Like, it, yeah. like she is very capable of being, like, an action star. Yeah. She's a good actress.
0: She's fun to watch. Yeah,
1: like, you like seeing her on screen. And like, I think that this Give actually, her an action movie.
0: Yeah. I think that this actually expands her as, like, an, a performer, you know? Like... This is, like, a new lane we didn't even know that she could, like, occupy. And, like, such a lane that she just fucking kills, you know? Like, she's just, she's funny. And I think that there's, that's a talent that, like, like, the sister from Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like, they're hilarious. And I think that the hilarity is also why people keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, I mean, if she keeps, if she keeps in this line where, like, she's, she's picking these roles that, like, are kind of, like... You know, rounded. It's not just like the hard ass Arya type. I think people. I don't know. It's easy to like fall in love with like her performances if if it's like this.
1: I feel like she was trying to, with the roles that she's been in recently, she was trying to move away from her Arya ness. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this one, she's like moving into it and 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 is embracing it and expanding it, and I think. That is like a great move for her because it it does remind me a lot of Barry. Yeah. Um, like she's an assassin, but she's kind of witty and like kind of clumsy, and you love her for that.
0: Yeah. And they also don't like the situations also feel like real ish and like funny. You know, like there's just like the balancing act is it's stricken well, I guess. Yeah. Or like they balance things very well. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So, what would you rate this?
1: I would give this, it's kind of hard because I kind of don't remember the first episode, where it starts and where it ends. And we watched it all in one I time. I remember the first episode. But to to the house. I would, yeah, I guess I would give it like a 4.5.
0: But you can talk about the entire series, it's cool.
1: Yeah, but I think I would give the series like a 4.5.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would. I, would I
1: think do- it just ticked a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. Maybe a 4.8. Like, I, I, it is one of my favorite of the year.
0: Yeah, same. I would, yeah, I'd go 4.5. Um
1: more people need to watch it. I feel yeah. like nobody talked about it. I,
0: yeah, it went under the radar. And that's that's kind of the thing about like this year as well, is that a lot of this shit just kinda goes because of the way that time has been distorted and this one definitely like went under the radar for at least for me and my circle. Like I didn't really see many people talk about it.
1: Yeah, I'm like upset. I we hadn't watched it before. Yeah.
0: Let's move on. So the next show is Stargirl. I don't really have a categorization. I think that the category would have been like magical girl shit, mm-hmm. which Netflix released a bunch of like teenage yeah. shows about whatever, whether it was like assassins or fucking
1: like teenage bounty hunters, curse,
0: yeah. warrior nun. This kind of seems in line but like the mainstream version. Oh, yeah, and this and, is a CW like, a, a DC show. show. Which so Stargirl is a DC character that's like part of like an alternate universe and her dad dies and she becomes like a superhero. It's kinda of Shazam-y, I would say. It definitely feels like they're trying to replicate like the Shazam formula. But I think this show is not good. I think it's <laughs> kind of a pain to watch. Because it's just it's it's struggling between like wanting to be a superhero show and like a teen. Drama in a way. Um, and like, I'm familiar with teen dramas and superheroes. Like, Smallville was that. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm kind of past the Smallville era, and it's not, this show isn't like soap opera y enough to be Smallville. Yeah, also. Smallville
1: was like kind of a drama. It was like a soap opera. Yeah. It was a novella. Yeah. But like, they took them, like, they were serious about it. was a little too self you know?
0: <laughs> and like, Stargirl had those moments. So the weird the weird things about Stargirl that, like, the first scene was pretty good. You know, like, the first scene felt like a deleted scene in, like, a superhero movie. It looked interesting to watch. It it almost seemed, like, Green Hornet-esque.
2: Because
0: it was, like, comedic and, like, kind of, like, whatever. But then it turns into, like, the drama about, like, her being a kid. Like, finding out that her dad was a superhero. That's where it started to, like, go off the rails and it just felt, like... To cwe for me yeah. and i just i wasn't into it that's all i kind of have to say about it what yeah
1: about i think it was like very like cheesy campy i think i like what they were trying to do kind of like a light-hearted like cheerleader saves the world um and i think the world kind of like it didn't feel like a real world it felt like a comic book world. Like yeah. where things were kind of like like a set. Candy like candy colored or candy coated whatever that phrase is. It felt like a set. It felt like
0: But like contrast that like the 50s ish setting because so I mean I don't I don't think it matters necessarily but like the alternate universe in which Sargo exists is kind of like considered the golden age I would say. So it was like a lot of like 50s kind of shit, right? It just felt too sanitized, too, like...
1: But maybe that's, like, down the line. Like, in the season, maybe that's what they'll address. Maybe. Because in this, like, the first season sets up that, like, superheroes are gone. Yeah. And, like, the villains won at the end of the day. So, like, maybe we're giving... Maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but...
0: Like, you think it's got room to grow?
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And I, I... I think the actress is, like, kind of fun to watch. Like, she's, like, very... Like, she definitely feels like a cheerleader... Maybe I'll watch a few more episodes. I don't know. But it was kind of rough to watch. Yeah. Uh, Definitely not my favorite pilot of the year.
0: Yeah, I would go, I would rate it a two. Maybe a three. Maybe a two and 2.5. It just wasn't for me.
1: Yeah, I think I'd give it a three.
0: Okay, let's move uh, on to the sitcoms, the comedy stuff. And these, I don't know, it's thematically kind of all over the place. Because they're all each individual, like their own thing. But I think one of the biggest hits of the year that I've seen a lot of people talk about was Ted Lasso, the new Jason Sudeikis show about. It was actually a commercial. I have not seen this commercial. So it was a commercial. It was a character for like a a promo for for some sports thing, and they decided to like make a show. Like Apple approved the show, and it was actually one of like the most heartwarming fucking shows I saw this year.
1: It definitely. I I think. What I saw online was like this is a show that we needed and if it, it felt like a show that we needed. Like if it felt like I watching it and we watched it very quickly too. It just felt like a warm hug. Like I want to live in a world where like, you know, people are allowed to make mistakes and it's okay to forgive them.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't describe it in those ways because I think it's kinda cheesy. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know,
1: I haven't It problem. is a very cheesy show.
0: Well, no, I don't think the show is necessarily cheesy. I think that the discourse around it is a little cheesy. Because mm. I think the show itself is, is the, like, the text is the text, you know? Like, the show is the show, and it's got its it's it's moments of, like, whatever. Heartwarming, cheesiness, whatever. But I think some of the, this is what we needed, is kind of like, ugh. Because it, it reminds me of, like, the dialogues. Slash, whatever, uh, discourse surrounding uh, that John Krasinski show. Which is the only thing I can think mm-hmm. of that, like, is kind of like this. But I, I I don't know. I feel like the show is a lot of things. It's like... I don't know if it's necessarily what I needed. But <laughs> I think it was just a good story about, like, a wholesome figure. mm mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, like, TV isn't just, like... I think this is go- harkening back to, like, the era of television where we want to see our gross selves, what we want to be on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, like, who we would like ourselves to be. And I think as as an escape from, like, the darkness of this year, it does help, but at the same time, like, it doesn't... That's not always my, like, how I want to escape. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I love the fantasy shit, I love all that other shit. I like dark shit. But I thought this one, because generally I'm more interested in like the darker stuff mm-hmm. cuz i feel like it, it it it's able to like uh you know like say something about whatever's going on. Yeah. With all that being said, all that pretense, this was a great show. This was like it had so much of like what i love about tv and that like it has these like character moments where like they figure out how to like interact with each other and shit. And i think a lot of that has to do with Bill Lawrence who is like the I guess the showrunner, or, like, kind of the consultant ish. I think he was involved. Whatever the guy who created Scrubs, <laughs> he was and, like,
1: involved, but I don't know how involved he was. Yeah, me
0: either. But I-, I read an article talking about like he's the one that like helped. You know, like uh, on top of everybody else involved, of course. But I felt a lot of Scrubs vibes mm-hmm. and like just the way.
2: Th- the like an ensemble, yeah, like
0: the connections are, are important. Yeah, in the show and like the way that I don't know. It's just like getting over yourself. I feel like I even had that watching the show. Like, getting over these dumb pretenses I have for, like, TV. Mm. it's just like, who cares? Just fucking watch TV, and if it makes you feel good, it makes you feel good. Yeah.
1: I think the way we watch... Like, we have a lot of overlap in terms of, like, the things that we like on TV. But one of the things that, you know, that is really important to me is that, like, I have to see a redeeming quality... Like, I'm satisfied by seeing a redeeming quality in characters, right? Like, in a protagonist or even, like, a background character. I feel like a lot of the shows that we're watching nowadays are very doom and gloom and, like, anti-hero this and, like, complex character that. And usually that translates to, like, this person is an asshole, but we're going to watch them solve mysteries, you know? Yeah and that this was not that this was like this person is a good person trying to be a good person trying to be the best person they can be they might not be perfect but they're they're trying yeah and I think I really like that is what I I needed from a TV show right now yeah and maybe it is cheesy to say but like no no no. but I I, I think we need more optimism like The Good Place was very optimistic and it's over like it ended this year and I was really sad by that yeah And this gave me, like, the Good Place vibes.
0: Yeah. And this is why I wanted to, like... I I don't want to take away from anybody who, like, felt those things. It's just, like, that's not how how I operate. So it was me, like, literally getting over myself. Because I was just like, yeah, like, there were parts of this where, like, I generally wouldn't like this. But, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe it was that, like, I wanted to see this and I didn't even know it. But, like, I like... In Times of Darkness... I don't like to pretend like the darkness doesn't exist. Mm. So that's why I was like, I don't fucking need this right now. I need a fucking, like, I need a vaccine. Like that, you know, like that's not, <laughs> that this. that's why it annoys me. Cause there's like real issues going on. And like to pretend like some TV show is solving the problems of the world seems naive to me. Not to say that you're <laughs> naive. I'm just saying like the discourse around it. Like, it's almost like ignoring what's happening. And I understand that that can be kind of like stand standoffish or like asshole But that was just how the show was presented to me. Mm. And once I watched it, like all these ideas I had about the show kind of started to melt away. Because he literally like makes, he buries himself, like Ted Lasso's kindness buries himself into your brain. Because he's, he wins you over. Like it's not just, it's like, I think the project of the show is not just winning over the team, you know, like, Ted Lasso, who's this coach from America, goes to England to, like, teach these these these, uh, these kids, like, coach these, a soccer team. Not only does he win over the team, he also wins over the audience, like, mm-hmm. you fall in love with him. And I think the reason that is, is because of the darkness of the show. Because the show does not shy away from darkness either. Mm-hmm. Like, the first episode you get, he's got marital problems, mm-hmm. That's kind of That's the like his largest the show. Like, yeah. Him dealing with marital issues and, like, fish out of water in England. hmm But it truly is, like, a, a heartwarming
2: show.
1: Yeah. And it also, like, explains why, like, why a football coach would make such a drastic decision to move alone to England and be a, a soccer coach. Yeah. Like, to the show's benefit, the fact that he was like a professional soccer coach and he was coaching adults was also like, it's like a, it's a good premise. Yeah. Because I think. In another timeline, he would be, like, a coach, or, like, in the past, like, in the, like, early 2000s or whatever, he'd be, like, a coach to, like, inner-city youth. Yeah. In the high school setting, you know? Yeah. Like, a remember the Titans type.
0: Yeah. It's good that it's not. It, it also doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel yeah. white savior complex. And I, that that's, I think, what's the beauty of the show, is that, like, his coaching style, as well as, like... Everything else about the show it has a subtlety to it that if you're just seeing it from the outside perspective, you would miss. It is truly like once you're under the spell of the show, you start to appreciate it like for what it is. You know, mm-hmm. like it is a sweet
2: story.
1: Yeah. And like the cast is great, they look like they're having a good time. Like I think it it, it makes it's like it does such a good balancing act of like sports, sports references. And also like a family friendly sitcom.
2: Yeah,
1: it's self aware a lot of the time. Sometimes a little too self aware, maybe. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like, oh, like we have to say this because, yeah. like, we have to say this.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like I just think it it was, it was freely won me over. Yeah. And it blew me away, and like, yeah, it was cheesy, but like it was cheesy and corny in like yeah. a good way, and like a he's a dad like. It It made me see Jason Sudeikis as, like, a dad and a good guy.
0: Yeah, which is also interesting because, like, this is a transitional period for his career, I would say. Like, this does kind of cement who... Like, it's him moving away from, like, the gross-out slash, like, raunchy comedy stuff, Mm -hmm. which is his background, as well as SNL, to, like, you know, like, a more mature, I don't know, like, era of his career, you know? Yeah, I
1: would never think of him as, like, a wholesome figure if it wasn't for the show. Yeah. You know, like, I think it did a lot to change the audience's opinion of him.
0: Yeah. I agree. So what would you rate it?
1: I think I would give it a 4.5. It was definitely one of my favorites of the year.
0: I would go 4.5, too. It was a a great show. I was very impressed. So Moonbase 8 is the new Showtime show starring Fred Armisen, John C. Riley, and Tim Heidecker. And it's about this moon... Space like this moon program that's on Earth, training people to like potentially go to moon to the moon to mm-hmm. moon
1: <sighs> to moon,
0: and this is kind of like an absurdist kind of dry humor kind of thing. I I enjoyed it. I-, I mean, it's not it wasn't like the f- like there wasn't like a lot of jokes every like firing at you and every you know second, but it was it was like an enjoyable kind of like sh- strange show,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
1: It reminded me of. Or it feels like it would be in the same world as Star Force. Is that what it's called?
0: Space Force.
1: Space Force.
0: Or Avenue. Space Which Force. One? Space Force. Really?
1: Yeah, I mean, even Space Force even has like a moon base like episode where like they go to the like it's like the same scenario where mm. they go. I think thematic- in isolation to Arizona and like in a desert.
0: I think thematically they're linked, but I don't know if it reminded me of each other.
1: I think they're in, like, the same universe.
0: Like, the universe of incompetent bureaucracy? Yeah, no, that, like... I, this, Space Force reminded me of the, bu- like, the bureaucracy. It was just, like, a it tried to fall in line with, like, a Doctor Strange love, but, like, nowhere near mm. as good. And this one, like, they were bumbling idiots, but they didn't. it didn't seem as, like, whimsical. I also feel like Space Force had... I, I, we finished the series... It had more of a, like, hopeful slash, like, heartwarming stuff Mm. in it towards the end. No, I
1: mean, I think, like, Space Force definitely was not... Like, it was a mess. It was a mess. Like, it, it was like a jumble. Like, tonally, it was just off... You didn't really understand what it was trying to do, if it was trying to be, like, a biting satire, or like a feel-good sitcom. It just or didn't make any sense. a
0: jerk-off piece for the stupid Space Force. Yeah. You're supposed to sympathize with these motherfuckers? Yeah. Or?
1: Whereas I think this Moonbase is a much smaller story, much more absurdist. Yeah. And I think it, like, sticks the landing in what it's trying to do.
0: Yeah. It's more focused, I would say. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, I I think that there are some dry, like, it's a very dry show. It's created by the guy who created uh, Baskets, Jonathan Crystal. He usually does uh, these, like, kind of, like, dry-ish, mundane-ish kind of shows, except uh, the first episode was hilarious because there was, like, essentially a bully of, like, (laughs) this guy bullying, like, a... 55-year-old man kind of like thing.
1: A, but it was, like, kind of homoerotic. It's, like, homoerotic
0: but it bully. But <laughs> it was definitely, like, a, a, an abusive relationship. Yeah, where like 100%. He was brainwashed into, like, doing this and, like, thinking that he was gonna be friends with this motherfucker. Also, like, uh, the thing I want to point out, like, I like Tim Heidecker in this. He was funny. I was, like, the kind of dumb guy. But I like Heidecker when he's, like, the, his satire, I think, is great. And this character just seems kind of, like, straightforward, and maybe that's that's a good thing. But John T. Riley for me, was, like, the most interesting character. Like, he almost seemed, like, it's one of the characters that we've seen before from, like, Step Brothers, mm-hmm. which is, like, <clears throat> this, this overconfident dude who, like, doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about.
1: Kind of, like, bravado.
0: Yeah, and it was just kind of enjoyable to see him... Because it's you don't get to see him anymore, and he's kind of a—it's weird because like this motherfucker isn't like in a lot of prestige shit. You yeah, know what I mean?
1: he's like all over the place. Like, but he's so enjoyable to watch every time. Yeah, this show definitely was not for me. It was not like my bag, but it was definitely yours. Like, it was up your alley a hundred percent. Uh, and I can, I can identify that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I I would say maybe like three point eight. Mm. Like it's not a great series, but it's something that I would throw on if I was like looking for something. I would watch. give
1: it a three, maybe. Uh, that's maybe that's low.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like this would have been a Hulu show or something or an FX show. It just Showtime seems like a bad place for this show. Yeah, it's too small. I don't. I don't know who's gonna watch it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think it does deserve to be watched. Like I th- I think it deserves to be talked about. I prefer
0: yeah, I think this show's <laughs> much better than Space Force.
1: Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Like if this is what like if Space Force even had like a little a little bit of this, it would have already been a better show.
0: Yeah. Like the SpaceX episode was hilarious.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> it was it was a good show. Like I enjoyed watching it. Um I just it was a little too cringe for me. Sometimes it was a little too like absurdist, and like I don't understand. People don't communicate correctly. Like it was just it it's was like a little a too odd for sitcom me. Right? Logic. Yeah. Where, like
0: most of this melodrama could be solved if you just told them, <laughs> or you just talked about it.
1: I see its appeal.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. What would you rate it? A, a three. A three. Okay. Let's move on. So the last sitcom is Saved by the Bell. Uh so okay so this is the new reboot where they use some of the old characters and like I am completely in the dark here cuz I never really watched I
1: had it. zero idea. I had zero idea that you had never watched it. Yeah, I thought I'd never you seen you it. had at least seen an episode.
0: The only thing I know about the shit is the screech shit. The drama that he's got like a sex tape. That's kind
1: of it. That's so crazy to me. I like watched the show a lot as a kid. <laughs> But I actually kind of hated Zach. Because, like, I like, so he's like the troublemaker, like, like, he gets away with everything. Yeah. But but,
2: preppy, right? But
1: yeah, preppy. And he, like, always has, like, schemes and he's always, like, trying to get out of, like, doing actual student work and stuff, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And he breaks the fourth wall. He can stop time. That's, like, the premise of the show. And growing up watching it, I was like, being the goody two shoes that I am, I like never liked him yeah. because he like broke all the rules and he never had any consequences. Even when he like learned a lesson at the end of the day, I feel like he didn't really get any like any punishment. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I, like, I was a nerd. You know?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think what this version does is he, they don't really let like I think they address that. Yeah. And like they, they don't let
0: the elephant in the room which is like, yeah, these are rich fucking white kids in the Palisades.
1: Yeah, of course there are no consequences to Zach Morris's actions because like he's a rich kid who grew up with a lot of privilege and he never thinks that he can be punished for his actions in the first place.
0: And he basically becomes like Gavin Newsom, right? Yeah. Or like a Donald Trump figure, the hair it was confusing, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I um,
0: Which is funny because it's like, yeah, this character was ridiculous. Let's, let's situate him in what's going on now.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting because essentially he's like a villain. Like he becomes like a Zach Morris, a main character, becomes a kind of a villain, like governor in California and shuts down a bunch of schools to give tax breaks to fossil fuels. And like it's played for laughs, but. That's villain behavior.
0: Yeah, but I, I think that the way that it was played for last was actually kind of great. Like, that was actually one of, I think, my favorite joke of the first episode, which was, like, his wife reading a press release about <laughs> giving tax breaks to fossil fuels. And she's like, wait, you want me to say that? But she had already recorded it. I, I don't know. Like, I felt very tongue-in-cheek. I, I don't know who's involved with, like, making this a show. I, I don't know if it's the same people. But I feel like some of the like updated, like let's make this a sitcom stuff mm-hmm. worked for me. The so,
1: the show follows uh, Daisy, a spunky
0: Latina Latina
1: do gooder yeah. who's trying to run for president, for school body president in her high school. The high school eventually gets shut down by Zach Morris, governor of California, and now all of those students get bused to. Bayside High, the original high school of, of the original uh, series. Yeah,
0: and then they do all the like, sort tr- like the they the, do the trademarks.
1: Yeah, the antics. Yeah. All the antics that Bayside like High is known for.
0: Freeze, freeze time and like coaching. Like, I, I think that the show was engaging and, and I don't know, like, I think the way that it's processing itself or like the way that it understands itself is a lot better than we would give it credit for for just being a reboot mm-hmm. you know like i think everybody expects it to like not work on certain levels because it's like oh it's just like a cheap nostalgic mm-hmm. like a grab but it's like a completely new setting and i think most of the show as you have mentioned um is just it trying to justify why it exists
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i think doing that uh, or like they accomplished that by like interrogating why like the ridiculousness of some of these characters yeah, like from they highlight the original show
1: they highlight the ridiculousness they highlight like why it was okay to do it i mean why it was quote unquote okay to do it back then because we were looking at it at a mic like as a at the micro and i think that they were able to do it they were able to you know do a more macro look at things and how people function differently um, based on their, like, social class. How, like, the world is different for rich kids versus poor kids. Uh, I I
0: think the last point that I want to discuss with you is, I, I we discussed this last night, but I was not sure what the show was trying to say about kind of affirmative action or, like, you know, situations where people of color are allow are afforded opportunities um you know based on some circumstance. And to me, it felt like well, okay, I started thinking about it too much. But it felt like the show was (laughs) saying, like, oh, uh, you know, like individualism kind of does offset the balances of like how these structures fail a lot of these, uh, these students and like why they don't get opportunities and why don't they get, they don't get the support. And why I don't think the show is that sophisticated where like, it's going to engage with the ideas of why these systems of poverty exist. I do think that it is kind of like, I mean, ultimately it could be just like a nihilistic take about like, Oh, you know, uh, these systems are fucked up, which is why you should take these opportunities. But at the same time, I don't know if that's, like, a just a sitcom solution or just, like, we can't comment on the structure, so this is how we're going to solve this in the micro. Which yeah. is, like, you winning the presidency, even though the rich kids could have won it, they just threw the race for you.
1: Yeah. I I think maybe we're thinking about it a little too much. But... But I think that that's... But I think I think it is in the text, you know? Like, it is trying... Like, there's a whole speech about it. But I think... I think it's also commenting on imposter syndrome. Mm. And, like, when people of color are afforded, like, opportunities, a lot of the times we think we don't deserve it. Yeah. We think we, we like, someone else could have been doing a better job at it.
2: Yeah.
0: Or, like, we want to take avenues of, like, you know, this was the right way of doing that. Like, I wanted to win it the right way. Like, that's how idealistic the Daisy character is. Yeah. Is that her name?
1: Yeah. I think her name is Daisy. Um... But I think all of the all of the students from like the lower income high school are dealing with a level of imposter syndrome and like the kind of person that they want to be. And I think that that is my takeaway from the show. Like I I don't think that like their comment like their comments on affirmative action. Well, um, I'm not saying affirmative action. Sense.
0: Sorry. I don't think they're necessarily saying affirmative action. I just think like uh, you know, phenomena or like things like that, where they. I think they were like.
1: I think they were like get like they bandaged it up, yeah. right? Like they're like they tried to make like a grand, like a grand uh, structural issue statement. Yeah. And, like a and they they packaged it up, where but it's I just, like in the sitcom way, right? Yeah.
0: But I, I think that the reason why it was impactful for me is because like that is how it is. Like I I, I like that the the, the principle. Understood that these these uh these students were afforded like these various luxuries and like wow you know he's kind of a bumbling idiot where like he gets tricked out of his fucking office so they can like make an announcement. He's still like aware of the sort of like privileges that these kids have and it's specifically that like self awareness that a lot of teachers have where they know what's what's going on in the places that they teach and they get to see how it has changed, and especially now, I think that the principal character was, like, him engaging with the idea of, like, yeah, this is why we should exist. Like, this is a true thing. And I am curious to see where it goes. I don't necessarily think the show has a lot, like, it'll be good, necessarily, like, for me, but I think that the first episode justified it enough for it to exist for
1: me. Yeah, I I agree, too. I think I think this is one of the best <laughs> reboots I've seen in, like, the 90s sitcom reboots. Like, I saw Fuller House, and I don't see any justification for why it exists. Like, what? Why do I care? Like, even, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley didn't see any justification. Yeah. They weren't even in the show. Right? Like, the That's a Raven reboot, too? Like, Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World, like, I don't see why, like, I don't think that they had anything really to say. They were just more children's TV, really, for, like, the parents that have children now that grew up with those shows, whereas I feel like this show is trying to at least update itself and, like, recognize the problems of, like, why Saved by the Bell worked in the 90s, but it can't work now.
0: I, I also think that like yeah it's it's doing that thing where like it's it's in conversation with itself in a way that makes it engaging you know it it's more than just like the cash grab or the fucking nostalgia trip
1: yeah I I also think that it engaged with like stereotypes in a like it justified. The, stereotype, the yeah. stereotypes it engaged with. Like, the rich kids, like, they weren't problematic, necessarily, right? Like, they said, like, they were inclusive, open-minded.
0: There's a trans character. Yeah. There's, like, a very, they're varied characters from, like, things that are happening now and the way that, like, youth has changed completely. Mm-hmm. From the 90s. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and even like the fact that Mario Lopez is <laughs> like the only person of well, no Lisa Turtle also, but she was not in the show. It doesn't matter. But Mario Lopez like only ever said that he was like Chicano once in the show, uh, uh, because he was like the the popular jock. How come nobody talks about that? Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's great. I feel like there's a lot of like Mario Lopez exposure because of that K- like KFC. Yeah, like he's like been around the internet for now. Love. Yeah, and I think they made it. I thought like, oh god, why is Mario Lopez in it? I'm so tired of looking at him. But I think they made him like kind of enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah, and also they had that that story where like he's trying to, you know, like it's almost like they wrote the character who was stuck in, you know, the the Saved by the Bell character. Which worked, because, you know, they had, like, some community moments where, like, they were commenting on the structure of TV and the way that, like, TV is set up where he's like, yeah, this would have been solved with, like, just a speech. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's that's actually, like, a genuinely funny line. And, like, I thought there was some funny moments. I just think, like, the stuff that I don't like about it is probably the stuff that meant a lot to people back then, which is, like, the kind of, like, melodrama shit, Mm -hmm. like the The sitcom stuff. The reason why I don't think it, it worked for me in this, for in the first episode of this, was because it was a little too serious. Like, I I wanted them to like just be silly most of the time. Because mm-hmm. I I think it's like kind of ridiculous. Like, who gives a shit? Like, I do I do think it's important the speech that they have. Like, I do think that there are moments where they accomplish the dramatic well. Like, specifically when he she talks to the teacher or the principal about like getting a leg up over like privileged people. And I thought that was really well done. But like her talking to the other people running in the race and like there was just a lot of the melodrama that I didn't really care for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you rate I this? See that.
1: Um I think I'd give it a three point five.
0: I'd say like three. It's not bad. It's fine.
1: I think for what it was do I think I I gave it a better score than I would have. But uh I was impressed. I was impressed with it. I thought, like, it wasn't going to be relevant, and it was just another cash grab at nostal- 90s nostalgia. But it is those things, but I think it also has um, something to say about today, and I- I- I'm i okay with that.
0: Let's move on to the next one. The next show is, or the next grouping is, like, youth-orientated tings. Uh, both of these are HBO shows. The first one is Betty. It's like a, I don't know, like, high maintenance meets, like, skaters meets, like, I don't know. This is, like, a strange <laughs> show to describe because it's not much of a premise, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was
0: such a fucking joy to watch. Like, I had a great time watching it.
1: Mm-hmm. The first episode. And I think the way it captures, I mean, it's very female-centered, right? Yeah. And, like, the friendships that develop in New York and, mm-hmm. like, the eclecticness of, like... Being a girl skater and like what everybody thinks of you. Um, the assumptions, you know, men make and then also the assumptions that women make about girl skaters. But it also kind of reminded me of like Broad City because it, it, I think Broad City also dealt with like French, like female friendships. And I think that is also at the forefront of Betty. It was fun. Yeah. It was like a really fun show to watch. Like it, it doesn't all like in terms of premise, it's just. A group of girls, I a young adults, a group of young women. Yeah. They're probably in their 20s.
0: I feel weird describing it this way, but it's like, the show is like such a vibe. You know? <laughs> like, from the beginning to the end, the music is like hitting, you know, like the music really sets the tone and like the setting where like, she's this kid who has like a, you know, like a very specific way of dressing with like colorful shit and like a backwards hat and like she just looks and like the music really complements like just the the scenic uh lifestyle of being a skateboarder in new york you know like it it also just i think it captures the dialogue the speech of like young people pretty well i mean at points there were like some rough spots but for the most part they communicate very well Mm -hmm. and like it was just kind of a it was kind of fun to watch these characters, like, not really do much. Mm-hmm. And, like, just be kind of interesting. And, like, it also didn't feel as, like, you know, I-, I think something about euphoria and, like, the way that it captures youth is that, like, this is what you don't know about young kids and, like, the crazy shit they're doing. And, mm-hmm. like, this is in the same vein, except it's not It's not so focused on, like, the crazy shit. It's just focused on, like, them kind of living.
1: Yeah, like, it's living like fo- I life. think it's focused on, like, the micro moments of like how people kind of just become friends organically like if you're like a friendly per- a friendly outgoing person you like <laughs> look at another friendly outgoing person and like you guys just become friends or like a, a bond develops
0: yeah like if you were watching mid 90s this kind of feels like you know the a counterpart of that in new york and also centered on women specifically but like Currently, instead of like in the nineties, and you get to see like the vast differences in like how skate culture has changed, and like also just like how problematic it can be sometimes. But it felt inviting to that world instead of like because I I don't know. I've been around skateboarders, like skate to call them skateboarders, sound like such a fucking boomer, you know. But like (laughs) I've been around skaters who like like my my entire. Like, growing up, I had a lot of friends who were skaters. And I always felt like I wasn't a part of it because I didn't skate. But this one feels more inviting to the world. Mm -hmm. Where, like, you don't have to necessarily know how to do tricks and shit. It's just about, like, skating. And I think that that's engaging with the idea of the gatekeeping behind, like, some of these structures. or Not structures, but, like, some of these industries where, like, often the demographic is male. And... You know, women are involved in, like, various different things and at different levels. And I think that it's directly commenting on that. In, like, a, a way that feels not antagonistic, but, like, we exist kind of thing.
1: Yeah, like, analyzing it, critiquing it, but also how much of a passion it is for for people. And I, I also think that the show does a really good job in its dialogue, I mean, not not always, but a lot of the time, because I think it it like straight up says its thesis with like a conversation yeah. that the characters are having when it's just like a character doesn't know how to skate. And it's like, I don't know. I've like never I've never learned how because it just I don't want a group of men just look at, look at me like fall on my oh. ass. And... And the char- Like, another character responds with, like, that's not what skating is, though. Yeah. And it's unfair for you to think of it that way.
0: I mean, yeah, well, that was, like, equal parts, like, she's trying to hit on her. Above. Well, yeah,
1: no, that's what I mean. Like, I think I handled it in a kind of, like, a, like it felt like an organic conversation. Because, yeah. like, I, there is that gatekeeping with skating where it's, like, women can't skate, like, because, like, there's, it's just so male-dominated, it's so intimidating. And it the, the show does a good job with that conversation because, like, it does sound like a character is hitting on another character. Yeah. But, like, it also feels like an organic conversation.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it's also, like, it's a very queer show. It's a very, like, I don't know. It just has a lot going for it. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like some of some of the best parts or, like, some of the cool, the good parts of Girls, some of the good parts of, like, High Maintenance. Like, it just, it feels vignette Mm-hmm, you know, like, where mm-hmm. this is, like... Like, it's just, like, a, a day in the life.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, like, summertime in New York. And they're just, like, living their lives. And, like, you know, they go they go searching for an iPhone because, like, somebody stole a bag. And, like, yeah. they kind of get distracted by being in the mall. Yeah. And then they help a man uh, with his keys. And then the man, like gets creepy and then they talk about how like the little microaggressions that they have to deal with as women every day of their lives and like i think it handled it very like very smartly like
0: yeah i thought that it, it it captured all of that very well like the various dynamics um of being a woman in new york but also just like in life like just strolling in the ways that like a lot of this shit can be weird and like disorientating but like I don't know like I think there is such a nature of like they brushed everything off you know mm-hmm. like they were just like we're fine like I, I think that they the way that they crafted these characters as like aware of these things but not fragile was important I I thought that was a lot of the reason why I liked the show because like you know there's there's a gap between like ideology and like the things that you want and like reality and like What are they going to do, beat the shit out of that old man for doing that? You know, like, I, I think that it's just kind of like, they're like, yeah, he's a fucking idiot. And, like, they have a thick skin and, like, they understand that it's a fucked up situation. But, like, they're, they just moved on.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's, like, something, a snapshot of, like, what it is to be, you know, a woman anywhere. Or female presenting anywhere. Where, like, yeah, the bus driver kind of says creepy things, but, like, there's never a line that's crossed. So you, as a person, feel like, as a person experiencing it, it feels like, well, it's not that bad. And so you kind of have to move on with your day. You have to develop that thick skin because it's a daily thing that comes unexpected. Like you're trying to do a good thing for this night, like for this old man and the man is a creeper, Yeah, you know, like, and it's like, you kind of blame yourself for putting yourself in that situation, but also that's like a part of living.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I thought the show was, it, it presented a lot of things in like a very,
1: nuanced
0: or like you know complicated way and without like engaging with it necessarily because that was such a small moment like it was like maybe Mm -hmm. like a minute or two but it really did illustrate that also like you know just showing the dumb shit that like the guys think and like i mean i think the dumbest people on the show are the guys Mm -hmm. but yeah all right so let's move on to rating it what would you rate it
1: um i'd give it a four i think it was like a lot of fun A very well-crafted first episode. An intro into the world, intro into, like, kind of who these people are and what they're going for. I would go
0: four and a half for the first episode. I really liked it.
1: I really enjoyed it.
0: Let's move to the next. It is the Luca Guadagino. Nino? From- I don't know how the fuck to fucking say his name. But the dude who did Call Me By Your Name, he has a new HBO show that has the kid from Shazam. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, similar to Call Me By Your Name, except it's, like, about a kid whose mom is, like, working on a military base in Italy. But kind of a fish-out-of-water situation. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, it's not, like, about, like, a queer love story. But I think the, the setting... Like this motherfucker loves Italy, I mean I think he's he's Italian, but He loves Europe. Yeah, like I don't know. I thought this. Sh- I was expecting Betty. I wanted like a show that was about kind of like youth culture, but this was like an artsy, fartsy... pensive. Shit. Yeah, like this kid gets drunk a lot. I don't know. It was it was a strange show. I don't know. The if I adults liked it or not.
1: don't really act like adults.
0: It feels like Rugrats or some shit, or like Ed, Ed and Eddie. Where, like, the, the fucking parents are, like, barely around.
1: Yeah. It was interesting. I think maybe I, I have to give it another shot. Maybe another episode or two.
0: This looks like a slow burn. Like, it's gonna...
1: It was, like, meandering. Right? Like, what, Like you you think that the story's gonna be about something when you first start. Because they're at the airport and stuff. But then it turns into something else. And it's just, like, he's an observer. Fish out of water. He's, like... Kind of closed off because he's the new kid.
0: But also kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like he fucking slaps his mom in the first episode, and I'm like, I'm supposed to sympathize for this motherfucker?
1: Yeah. But I feel like, also, it's like, like I feel bad, but it feels like it's the mom's fault. Both parental figures enable his behavior.
0: Well, they're just absent.
1: But they enable it. Like, he's just like, give me give me the the bottle of alcohol. And she's like, yeah, here.
0: <laughs> like just, just a little bit,
1: yeah. And he like chugs it.
0: I so, mean, I, I don't know—is that a thing in it- in Italy? Maybe it's uh, a cultural difference.
1: No, I mean, like they're American, though, so but you can't say that. Yeah,
0: I guess. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I mean, that's kind of all I have to say about it. It's not. I feel like maybe if I f- if we finish it, it'll start to unravel a little bit. But it was kind of tightly wound the first episode. I don't think it flowed that well either. It was like fine.
1: I just think that we weren't in the mood to watch something like it. Cause it's kind of self-serious also. Right? Like, yeah. it's like, ugh, like I'm stuck at this in the middle. Like it's angsty. It's angsty and snobbish all at the same time. And also
0: like takes its time with shit.
1: Yeah. I think the filmmaking is great. Yeah. Uh, everything looks good. I think the, the character design, <laughs> like the, the main character is great. Like the- his little outfits, like, it's just so much like, yeah, I'm a kid from New York. I'm, I'm interesting and I like buy expensive t shirts. Yeah. And like kids call him out for that too. It's like, oh, you don't want to get your t shirt. What? Your expensive t shirt. What? Like, don't join us in the beach then. Pretentiousness. He's pretentious. Uh, yeah, but
0: like for no reason. For like, no the, reason. The kind of kid who would like lie about shit when you're a kid.
1: He's like a pathological liar.
0: Like, no, but like both a liar, but also like it doesn't make you seem cool. It just you sound- you look like a f- fucking idiot mm-hmm. he's like trying to too hard to be cool mm-hmm. like I know that's a kid thing, whatever, but like I mentioned this when we were watching it. I was like you can it's like the type of kid who thinks that they can buy style or like buy a personality because they buy like expensive fucking clothes, but he's not interesting because of that. I think everybody else in the show is more interesting than him. I, I don't know. I just, I didn't like the kid. So I don't know if I want to keep watching.
1: Yeah, I think the kid's a piece of shit. But, I don't know. I might give it a, a few more episodes to w- try and win me over. Uh, what would you rate it?
0: I would rate it maybe like a 2.8. 3. Like, it's it's not bad. I just, I wasn't terribly interested in it.
1: Yeah. I I think it's also trying to engage with, like, gender fluidity and, like, like there's no binary really like men can wear women's you know like women's clothes and vice versa and like gender is a bind like is non-existent
0: i mean yeah but it didn't do it in an interesting way
1: i i think it'll maybe comment on that some more as like you move forward in the season
0: there's so many shows that engage with that like even we just talked about it, betty betty engaged with it in like a very natural way, but this
1: in like, a pretentious way. <laughs> yeah,
0: but that this is like, I mean, Call Me by Your Name was that, you know, like a pretentious story about like this queer love story. Um, and this is like a fish out of water, and it's funny because like the kid is pretentious, but also the show is kind of pretentious, mm-hmm. and I don't think that the pretension is helping it tell a better story is what i'm saying Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i see that uh but i would give it a 2.8 also maybe a 3 i think i would give it a 3 i think it's a well-made show
0: okay yeah i mean three is fine i don't don't mind all (laughs) right
2: uh
0: let's move on to one of our surprises that we just watched yesterday uh i hate suzy the hbo max show starring billy piper about like a meltdown, like a suppressed meltdown. It's like Chernobyl, but like if they had covered everything up inside of a star whose news <laughs> got leaked. I don't know. Like I felt like the meltdown was so well crafted. Like mm. the internal meltdown that she had was so well crafted.
1: I-, I think the episode in general was very well shot to highlight. That breakdown.
0: So I hate Susie is about a a pot like a child star, right?
1: Yeah, like a child star. She's like a child
0: star, and then like nudes leak, and she has this photo shoot where she's like gonna be a princess, right? A Disney princess.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think like, it just her- like it so happened that she had like a a, a photo shoot that yeah, day. Yeah, the her
0: day house. that the nudes leaked, she has to like shoot this photo shoot. And she can't have a meltdown because there's so many people around. And I also think that they interrogate a lot of, like, English niceties, Mm -hmm, politeness, mm -hmm. and, like, possibly why she didn't melt down in front of everybody. I don't know. I, I just... I This one really hit for me. Like, the acting, the, like, camera work, the fucking, like, just the story was, like... A very unique story mm-hmm. to tell. And like.
1: And also it feels kind of personal, right? Because Billy Piper's main character plays Susie Pickles. Uh, she's also a co-creator. And I She's feel- also
0: from the Rugrats.
1: Yeah. But it feels like it's a very personal story to her. Like it feels like there's some part of her life in there. I don't know if like she ever had to deal with that. Like I don't know anything about her personal life. But it just feels so intimate, mm. right? No, like.
2: Yeah,
0: I see that.
1: It feels like. She's like, in, like the inner workings of her mind are on screen. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's me reading too much into it. But just the fact that Billy Piper is also a really great actress. and yeah. She's so good in this. Yeah, she's great in this. I think this is another one of those, like, that we were talking about that this show had a lot of, uh, I mean, this show this this year had a lot of female protagonists and, yeah. like, complex characters. And I think she's one of them. Yeah. Um, she's like a, like a spitting, what is it? Perfect encapsulation of uh the complexity of like a female protagonist yeah. in 2020.
0: I mean, in conversation with the contemporary I May Destroy You, it's pretty linked. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's about being self-destructive, but also not like trying to prevent. Like where I think I May Destroy You revels in the destruction, in, like, you know, destruction as as beauty. I think this one is, like, trying to cover the holes and make sure that this whole shit doesn't fall apart.
1: Mm-hmm. It feels like she's reactive, and she can't control everything. Yeah. Uh, and her life is spiraling out of control. <laughs> and she can't seem to put the pieces back together. I also think that the fact that she's a mom... Is important because she has to think about other people besides herself. Yeah, but obviously she's a very selfish person.
0: Yeah, in some ways, I don't know. What if this is like, like Arabella's? You know, when she has she settles down and has kids. Like this is why. I, like I think that the destructiveness of that show, like that volatility, is present in this
2: show. Mm.
1: She also reminds me of Fleabag,
0: but like Fleabag is she's. I think the difference is like she's got that f- she doesn't have a filter, and which is why we like her. And I think a lot of like the internal struggle in Fleabag is like her conversating with the audience, and in this one, it's us seeing her have that struggle inside and not being able to release it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she's she just feels like she's a trapped character. Yeah, where she can't she has zero control over what's going on around her, but also. It feels like it's kind of a problem of her own making. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's not completely blameless in this situation. Mm-hmm. And so you feel you feel sympathy for her, but also you feel like she kind of deserves kind of a reckoning for, yeah. her, for her actions. Yeah. Uh, like, she's deeply... You can see that she's deeply unhappy with a lot of... Like, even though, like, she... Like, at the beginning of the episode, she gets, like, this really great news that she's going to be a Disney princess... But, like, then you go into her home life and you see her interactions with her with her husband and, like, they just don't seem like they're happy together. Yeah. yeah. It seems like she's happy with her son. She, like, enjoys being around her son, but not with her husband. And I think as the show goes on, we'll see, like, we'll have more insight into her daily life. Yeah. What would you rate it? I give it a four, 4.2. I also like, there's like a singing portion in it. And it's just, it's so like, you know, it's so well done because it's the moment where she's like actually fully breaking down. And like, of course she's singing in the middle of yeah, the street. And
0: before that, she's like, I hate you. I hate this fucking place. Like she is literally breathing smoke or not literally, but she is breathing smoke and like is so angry that like she bursts into song. Cause I think, I think that when that happens, it's hilarious because it's like, it's reading the room and then like doing what you want with it, because like you have the audience in like the palm of your hand, because like y- you've already gone through like the worst of what's gonna happen.
1: Like she's so volatile in that moment. Yeah. Like she can do literally anything.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it was pretty well done too. Like pretty tasteful song. <laughs>
1: uh, so ra- yeah, like, it was so like strange. such a strange moment, but it, it just it's so fitting. It was such a fitting moment.
0: The fucking Brits are, like, not fucking around this year with uh, TV. Like, some really good fucking TV from the Brits.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, uh, like, I'm excited to... I'm, like, upset that I haven't <laughs> finished watching the show. Because I really want to watch it yeah. all. want to really, consume like, it
0: all. It really, takes a lot of boxes for you.
1: Yeah. I, I also just, like, I love Billy Piper, I feel. Like, I loved her, like... I, I think you hear me say this a lot, but I fell in love with her in uh, Secret Life of a Call Girl. It had its problems. And it was not a perfect show, but it definitely made me fall in love with Billy Piper and like the things that she can do. And so I'm very excited to see her on TV again.
0: Yeah. It also like you the way you were presented with the character and like who you think she is at the end of the first episode. Is there's a lot to say there because at first she's just like this mom who's excited about like this new opportunity, you know, because she talks to her kid at the beginning after the call, but then like it changes to something else, and like I mean maybe this this could have been thematically linked with like the Undoing or Flight Attendant because it's about people that you thought you knew and then you don't. Mm-hmm. Like the show is telling you like how you actually don't know anything about the situation. Yeah, I also like. The writing was so sharp because we didn't even know why they were all upset. You know, like it's almost like they didn't even want you to know, like, it didn't even matter what she did because, like, what you're focusing on is her reaction trying to stop anybody from finding out. Mm -hmm. And, like, the focus is her. So, like, when one of the characters has a phone and, like, they're gonna do her makeup, they start, she's already, like, cautious that, like, she's gonna see the fucking photos. So she immediately excuses herself, and the focus completely shifts. And I I just think, like, there's so much in, like, the way they presented this, like, fucked-up situation. And, Mm -hmm. like, the breakdown that you have internally.
1: Yeah. And, like, what you were saying about, like, British politeness. Like, it's... Having your nudes leaked, being a famous person, is, I mean, in general, having your nudes leaked, I'm sure, is such a huge... Invasion of privacy. Such a crisis. Yeah, and like top that off with the fact that she's a a famous person, you know, like that's the... Like like an
0: aging famous person.
1: Yeah, like it's like an invasion of privacy, but also like now she's relevant again for the wrong reasons, you know, like her whole life, you see her whole life fall apart, like little by little as the episode goes on, as more and more people see the images and you have like a mix of sympathy like people show her a mix of sympathy and like a mix of like disdain yeah like why would you do such a thing and like oh my god like i know why would
0: you be so indecent
1: yeah and all the while she's just like excuse me can i use the restroom
0: (laughs) that scene was so great she's like wow all of this shit is happening and the husband finds out like the first thing, she's like, can I have a moment, please, in the restroom? And she, like, has diarrhea. And, like, you know, it, it's not necessarily <laughs> played for laughs. Like, you laugh because it's a ridiculous thing, but it, like, made sense. And, like, when you feel this, like, you know, this, like, intense crisis, your body does things that you have no control over, like, mm-hmm. making you shit. And I thought that was such a great choice. Yeah, I don't know. What would you rate this? You Oh, you said 4.2? 4. 4.2. i go 4.5. This is one of the better pilots I've 4. seen 5? this year.
1: Maybe I'll give it a 4.5 also. I feel like I already rated it, but I forgot when I rated it. But yeah, 4.5 4. 5 sounds good to me.
0: Alright, so the next show is The Queen's Gambit. The massive Netflix miniseries about a chess prodigy. Who also has drug addiction issues. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of this?
1: It was a really well-crafted first episode. An introduction to the character, I think. Like, we're given her background, how she grew up, why she's the way she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, I think, is a really great actress. And I'm excited to see where her career goes. Yeah. I think she's been in mm-hmm. very interesting projects. Um, for being so young. hmm And I think this one is definitely, like, one of those, like, star-making performances.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I also liked her. I thought the first episode was fun. Like, well, I mean, I've seen, like, chess things. And, I mean, they they kind of uh deal in the same, you know, kind of, like, storytelling structures, I guess. Like, uh... When you first get introduced to the game and, like, you know, now where you're at. I, I watched another movie called, uh, Pawn Sacrifice with, uh, Tobey Maguire. It's about him, the Bobby Fisher movie about, like, playing, you know, during the Cold War or whatever. I think what's interesting in both of those is that, like, with a game that's so much about, like, pomp and circumstance and, like, you know, it's like, uh... It is kind of like a a pretentious game, Mm -hmm. at least at the at the higher levels. The people who are behind it are like kind of degenerates sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I I don't mean to like take away from her story of addiction and like what she's dealing with, but like, yeah, like just because the game is that that way, doesn't mean it's not a sport where like people in sports just are regular people and like being in such a high level competition like you know high high society competition it's kind of nice to see like the veil pulled and like seeing you know they're just like normal people sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes they deal with real shit
1: yeah i, I think it's interesting because <laughs> i feel like the way the the show frames her is like she's kind of like a rock star yeah <laughs> um which, and- is,
0: which is how pawn sacrifice does it too
1: yeah okay uh, I just think it's hilarious, though, you know, like it's like chess is a serious sport, I guess. It's a serious game. Mm-hmm. Um Who gives a shit? But yeah, like you don't you don't imagine like a the champion chess player to be like a rock star. Yeah. And like for her, like there, like there's paparazzi. I mean, she's breaking barriers because she's a woman and she's like a chess champion, right? But like also she looks the way she looks and she's gorgeous. Yeah. And she's like my, like my drug fueled rock star chess champion life. It feels like that. And I think that's a little, that's a little much. But, but it's I, also I, kind I, of fun. Like, I respect it for doing that. I don't know if I'd say rock star. That seems like a
0: stretch. I, what, what makes you think?
1: Or I'm just like thinking of, like, you know, when we were first introduced to her as an adult. Like, mm-hmm. she's, like, surrounded by paparazzi. And, like, she just woke up. And she needs her fix. Yeah. And, like, she's so late like- for her chess her chest match. But she looks amazing.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Does this take place in current times? Or is it, like, a past. I think it's 1938.
1: Like, yeah, in the past.
0: Okay, cool. All right. I do think that there is something to say about uh chess was seen as a more celebrated sport mm. prior. I think what's interesting is that like there is such a like underworld of like chess and like I like you know things that we don't really know about. Like we see like the big stars, but like th- it's it's still a world that like most people aren't familiar with kind mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that it was like a little bit like, isn't chess the most important thing? And it's just like, eh, I guess for the story.
1: Yeah. And I think that there are like problems with how they frame addiction too. Maybe, I mean, we haven't finished the show, but like, I know that like I saw critique on how like Anya Taylor-Joy's like, you know, mental breakdown of her like addiction and stuff was kind of glamorized because she looked amazing every time. Like her lowest point was like her in like cozy socks in a robe on her couch drinking like a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, and she's like a super like she just looks amazing. Yeah, and it's like no a- no addict looks like this.
0: Yeah, this was like I watched me and me and Michelle reviewed uh, Patrick Melrose last year, and that's about. Benedict Cumberbatch being a drug addict, essentially, and that one was, like, there was moments where you're like, oh, this seems kind of fun, but also, like, this seems like a nightmare, because, like, he, his, I mean, I think his drug addiction and his, like, his vice was turned up to, like, a thousand, but, yeah, like, that one didn't glamorize it at all. It was kind of like, he's, he can't even fucking walk right now.
1: Like, he's truly, like... Like, it's a disease, and yeah. he's, like, crippled by it.
0: Um, yeah, I can do
1: that. I mean, I... But these are just critiques I saw online. I haven't finished watching the show, so I really... Like, I'm just throwing that out there, because... Like it, I can see from the first episode, the dialogue, at least. Right. Yeah. But I think the first... Like, how they visualize... Like, how they presented Chess, and, like, how she visualizes it through, like, through the drugs um, that she's on is, like, really cool, I mean, like, visually cool. Well, I don't even...
0: I think I think literally they're like, how do we make a chess story interesting? Yeah. Make her a fucking drug addict. Like, that's... Like, before I was like, oh, well, maybe it's a real person, so they're just borrowing from that. And, like, that's kind of an interesting character study. But, like, now I'm just like, oh, they just created this. Yeah. So I don't feel, like, bad about confusing it with, like, a real thing. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, I, I was... It was enjoyable. I mean, I can see... That it's built very sticky to, like, keep watching because it's, like, about this, like, salacious thing paired with, like, this high society thing, which is a nice juxtaposition, Mm -hmm. for sure. Anything else you want to
1: say? I think there were also issues with, like, race and how there was, like, only, like, one black character Hmm. surrounded when, like, everybody else was white in, like, Mm -hmm. a very white-dominated space. Uh, Yeah, like, it has its issues, but I think, overall, it's very watchable and it's very entertaining and the acting is good uh it looks very well made so yeah like uh, in terms of ratings what What would would you you rate it
0: it? i'd rate it i mean like a four three point eight like it was well made and it was entertaining i just we didn't finish it
1: yeah i think i think i'll also give it a four i feel like i've been very generous with my fours yeah but that's because like i want i'm giving it a four because i want to continue watching it yeah like, it's good enough to keep watching.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, the next show that we'll move on to is the new Shonda Rhimes produced show Bridgerton, which is like Downton Abbey with PLC. Yeah. Or by it's PLC. like a,
1: it's based on a novel, but I, it's like the, her first produced Netflix show since leaving ABC.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of people are talking about it. You didn't watch it, mm-hmm. um, because it's not your, It's not up your alley at all, Mm, but it is definitely ticks off a lot of boxes for me. And I think coming off of like the crown and like talking about like aristocracy and royalty, like it's kind of what I wanted and it's what I was in the mood for. And the first episode was really good. It feels like pride and prejudice. And I think the fact, like the fact that they're like race is not an issue at least from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Like it's not discussed, it's not in conversation. And it feels like it, w- it was on purpose. Yeah. But it was it feels like the casting was like completely blind casting. Mm. Where like Like Hamilton. Yeah, like Hamilton. Where like yeah, sure these characters were probably, you know, British aristocracy, so they're all white. But it's a work of fiction, so it doesn't matter if like the ca- actors portraying them are you know, white or black or anything. Yeah. It just matters that they're good actors. And
0: Is there a thematic... So I didn't watch this, but is there a thematic link between... I mean, I don't know if, if Queen's Gambit is a- actively doing that, but it is kind of like pulling back the layers of, like, a high society thing. You know, like, something like chess. Mm-hmm. And, like, interrogating, you know, childcare and, like, poor childcare care.
2: Practices Practices,
0: specifically like orphans, right? And I I, I don't know. I I thought the P. O. Bridgerton was like because it's Downton Abbey, which is like again exploring the high society Mm -hmm. stuff.
1: Is is, would you see a connection there? Yeah, I think it's also exploring that, but I think. More than anything, it's exploring the differences between, like, like Pride and Prejudice. It's exploring the differences between men and women in high society, mm-hmm. like the what roles like women take on. Like, it's it's a story that's been told a lot, yeah, but it's it feels fresher, and newer because it's like it's kind of like a dear, what is a dear Abby like, gossip, gossip girl kind of, but set <laughs> in. Like the Regency period. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like a fictional world where you get to explore like the gender dynamics mm-hmm. and like what it means to marry somebody that you don't love or that like, or like what society is this expecting from you because like you're rich and you're powerful and you have to marry the right person.
2: Mm. Okay. So,
1: but it's fun. Like it, it, it also feels like Shonda Rhimes is really good at making entertaining entertaining soapy shows and yeah. this is what that is like it's entertaining it's soapy it's like kind of trashy it's kind of trashy yeah but like you're having a good time watching it you know like i just need a cup of wine a glass of wine yeah to go along with it and right that's... now or
0: watching the show
1: watching the show okay
0: <laughs> so yeah no, great what you great what you think
1: i give it a 3.5 mm, okay
0: Um, alright, so let's move on to the next one, which I think is also a little bit about, uh, I mean, this one does seem more like revisionist history in the way that, like, I don't know if Bridgerton was because it's not engaging with, like, the POC in high society. It's just replacing them Mm -hmm. with POC performers. Uh, but Bridgerton, I mean, but Good Lord Bird is the new Ethan Hawke show about abolitionist John Brown, who, I mean, it is kind of like a Django story, except, mm-hmm. I mean, it also is like kind of a white savior story. But I think the way it escapes a lot of the kind of like critiques of that nature is like, it's a hilarious show. It's, well, the main character, the narrator is a little black boy who's who's a slave, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And he talks about like his meeting, like when he met. John Brown and, like, was a part of their group for a little bit. And the way they're talking about it is, like... I mean, it's kind of a narrator, like, telling a story that already happened. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's so... It's such an active show. You know, like, it's... It, like, completely refutes the idea that, like, the past was just in black and white and just kind of stiff. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, like, funny moments. There's a lot of, like, kind of touching moments. And, like, it's a fucked up situation because it's, like slavery era you know like america but like it's just it's they were just like the way that they interact and the way they talk was so fluid and like it flowed well and like Mm -hmm. it was engaging and like the camera work was beautiful like the dialogue was great
1: yeah i just i feel like i feel like it it just cut through the bullshit yeah like it cut through like like, the, like, historical, like, it didn't this was to, a legend or yeah. whatever. Like, it also it,
0: didn't try to, like, tiptoe around, like, the issues of slavery or, like, it didn't, it didn't try to make it, like, an artful representation of, like, a slave narrative. It was more, like, kind of a fun, strange, you know, situation mm-hmm. where, like, this abolitionist was a nut, but also, like, he had the right idea, <laughs> you know? Like, it's kind of like Django ish where like a white person is just killing a bunch of racist dudes who prefer slavery in the south.
2: Mhm.
1: What the show is also doing is like directly engaging and refuting the idea that this is a white savior story. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, he was white. Yeah, he was an abolitionist and he killed a lot of like slave Owners. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he was a perfect person. No. Or does, nor does it mean that he was right in the way he, that he did it.
0: Nor does it mean that like, he's like righteous necessarily. Yeah. Like, like he's righteous in some of the things that he's doing. Cause like, honestly, it, it is, it is a noble thing to like, save slaves, I guess. But it's, it's treated with such levity where like the character is like, he's kind of a drunkard and like, but I don't think he ever gets drunk. But he just has like this like crazy. He's drunk energy. on religion. Yeah, he has like this crazy energy. But like, it's also kind of fun to watch because he's just like, he doesn't take himself that seriously, mm-hmm. and the show doesn't take itself that seriously. And I think a lot of the times when you you have these like n- narratives surrounding like slavery is that because it's so dark, you know, you have to treat it with like the reverence that it deserves. But I think involving comedy just like really allows it to like explore it in a fun way without like you know uh diminishing how dark and crazy it was mm-hmm.
1: it's the slavery that is it- yeah um and I and like it's also just like a <laughs> it's such a serious subject matter right um but it's a breath of fresh air <laughs> to see. You know the time period depicted as like not everything was like miserable. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I mean, yeah, they were pretty all they were. Everybody there is pretty miserable, but like there were like these small moments of like people just trying to live. Just conversation. Yeah. You know. And I I think slavery in general is usually not treated with much nuance because it's slavery and it's like slavery bad always slavery bad bad, bad. And, yeah, slavery is bad. But, like, people still needed to, like, enslaved people still needed to live. And they needed to survive and f- pick information up to guarantee their survival.
2: Yeah.
1: And, like, well, after this, I feel like I have a lot to say about it. Because I, I'm i reminded of um the book I listened to recently. uh The Octavia Butler book.
0: Mm-hmm. Kindred?
1: Kindred. It's also about, like, slavery and, like, time travel. Doesn't matter. But, like like the fact that like one of the characters in in the good lord bird is like a dry like he drives a wagon for his like his captor his captor and he says like i am this person's property and i just i do as he commands yeah. you are not my owner so i'm not going to listen to what you say yeah and like there's like authority in that
0: yeah because they
1: have to respect that
0: yes and also like this is in this is like of historic truth about like so the, the main character talks about how slaves were conditioned or, like, already knew how to lie, you know? Like, they knew that, like, if they lied, they could get out of certain things or, like, they could, you know, survive in certain ways. And those were, like, actual forms of resistance that slaves had historically where, like, they... I mean, your 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 labor is being exploited. Like, you're a little... You're, like, property... So, the way that you would fight back in, like, subtle ways or, like, in your own way was, like, to lie and, like, essentially, like, accept the mental because, like, you're literally being exploited.
2: Yeah. And
0: that's in conversation with that where, like, the one of the dudes who, like, drives the cart knows that, like, these motherfuckers can't do anything because, like, he's somebody else's property. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way, like, that's a nuance of, like, he knows that he's got this power here. And, like, he knows what he can do. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of, like, unraveling these, like, the intricacies of, like, the way that slavery worked socially. But also, like, you know, politically. Like, just these various kind of, like, interrogations that were just fun to watch. But also, like, they made the story flow a lot better and, like, be more engaging.
1: Yeah, it like, communicated... The character's motivations Because that same wagon driver His name is, is Bob He was like yeah I can't run away Why? Because I have like I have a wife and kids I have other people to think about And they're still going to be enslaved If I run away And they're probably going to get like Tortured if I run away yeah. So I have to think about them
0: Yeah and like the just the awareness That a lot of like That the the, the slaves or like the freed slaves have It's presented with like I don't know, like it, the way that they presented their awareness really shaded in like the expectations and lives, and like it, it just made them more engaging characters to like mm-hmm. watch.
1: And like, uh, what's his name, John Brown? Like, he's not a perfect figure, no, and not at all. Uh, he's not glamorous. Like, he's not like put on a pedestal for being an abolitionist. Yeah,
2: like
0: he's got all these beliefs that like he goes against all the time. Like, it's just. The show doesn't take itself seriously in a way where, like, a white savior, mm-hmm. sh- like, a counterpart where it would be, like, about white saviors would just focus on, like, how he's infallible.
1: Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, sure, he freed people, right? He freed, form like, slaves, but he freed them so that they would live the life that he wanted them to live.
0: Yeah, but also he wasn't, like, I think... It's also worth mentioning that as soon as they were freed, he treated them like people. Yes. And, like, if they didn't want to hang taught, out with him... taught them like,
1: how to read. Yeah,
0: like, it is kind of a noble thing, but he doesn't, like... It's not like he's af- He's doing it for himself because he wants, like, recognition. I don't think that's why he's into it. Because he's kind of a bandit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's like a, a Robin Hood figure-ish, where, like, he just goes around and, like, kills or, like, whatever...
1: It was very enjoyable. Ethan Hawke's uh, performance as Nick Nolte performing John Brown is great. It's pretty great. The um, smokers, hmm?
0: the smokers' uh, voice he has,
1: yeah, it's so good. I he's so good, he's so good, and I'm happy to see him. Has he done any other TV shows like this or TV show? I don't think he's on any TV, right? Not really. Or if he has, I have not seen it. I'm happy that I'm seeing him in this, and I want to yeah. keep watching the show.
0: It also just like stylistically, this show looks so good, and like the way that they present everything, the music, like it's just such a fun, engaging show. In a way where like you wouldn't expect it, because it's it's about like a heavy subject.
1: Mm-hmm. I think comparing it to Django is a good, it's like apt, because also yeah, like I think Django was like very similar, like very stylized, like. Music, Quentin Tarantino, and music—you know, blah blah blah. But I think this show uses those same elements. It uses like the music to, to heighten the storyline. Uh, the writing is really good. The acting is really good. It's just really entertaining, even as like you said, such a serious subject matter.
2: Yeah.
0: So I would rate this one. I think the first episode, I'd go five. It's such a good pilot. I'll do mini-series. four point five. Just
1: okay.
2: Cause. Alright, so now we are done with the portion about what we missed.